0: everyone welcome back to lash boss radio this is Shelby your host and today I'm joined by Trina of maven artistry I can't believe it's episode 19 and I'm really excited for this episode in particular because Trina has made a huge impact on this lash industry she's raised the bar for lash mapping she's amazing at social media and I think people just really love hearing her perspective on things so all that being said I know you guys are going to enjoy this episode, so sit back, relax, and here is Trina. Okay, Trina, so welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited and nervous. (laughs) (laughs) So just to start off, um, can you tell the listeners about how you got started in this industry and um, I guess what you were doing before you became a lash artist?
1: Sure. I think... For me, and like most people, it's kind of a crazy story of how I got started in the industry. It was unexpected. And it wasn't something that I was even seeking out. But in 2014, an acquaintance of mine did my eyelash extensions for my wedding. She's she's local here to Dallas. And um, I had never had eyelash, ex- eyelash extensions. I didn't even really know what they were. I didn't understand the concept of like the service. But I had them done and I fell in love with them. Of course, it's so difficult to have them and then be without them. You just don't feel like a whole person. So she knew that I would fall in love with it, I think. And I really appreciated it for my wedding. I felt amazing. I felt beautiful. I was on like cloud nine that day. It was incredible. But she was getting really busy and uh, needed help within her business. So she encouraged me to go to school for eyelash extensions because in the state of Texas, as you know, we have a specialty license. And so Mm -hmm. that was enticing to me as well. I had no desire to go to cosmetology school or aesthetics. I'm not really a girly girl. That stuff doesn't interest me. Of course, Mm -hmm. I appreciate feeling beautiful, but that's not always my focus in life is, you know, how I look or my appearance. It's not something that I, Mm -hmm. you know, put a ton of effort into. The eyelash extension specialty license was appealing to me because it was 320 hours, just eyelash extensions. And I found it easier to go to school and do that while I was working full time. So after I got my license, I started working actually out of like a closet sized space in a friend of mine's clothing store. It worked perfectly because there was a seat back there and it was everything with regulations as far as state boards was fine, but it was literally like a closet and I just made do. Um, And I don't know through Instagram, my career just exploded But before I was doing eyelash extensions, I worked for a a high-end men's clothing company that's based out of California. They have a headquarters here in Dallas, and I was doing graphic design, marketing, and brand strategy for them. So my experience before lashes is as a graphic designer and an artist, and I I really loved it, but I just wanted something different in life.
0: Okay, so I think that one thing that you just said about your Instagram helping your career so much. Um, I think that you probably were one of the first people that I noticed on Instagram that just had a completely unique look to your page. Um, a lot of people in the beauty industry would just simply post like a before and after. Um, but your page was just striking, um, even in the very beginning. So, with your background in marketing and graphic design and stuff, um, do you have any advice for those artists who are, I guess, trying to amp up their social media as well?
1: Yeah, I think the most important takeaway that I can share from my experience is that especially because as we go into this industry, we're all individuals kind of on our own Mm -hmm. hustling, grinding, grinding, making our way, trying to figure out what we're doing as we move along. And I think it's to be, because it's not just about the page. It's not just about Instagram. It's important that we think of ourselves as a brand and not just lashes by Trina, which is a really great place to start. You have to start somewhere, but thinking of yourself as just, it's, it's just me. It's just lashes by Trina. I just do lashes. Isn't really going to translate down the road when you, start to build and grow your business. So my suggestion or advice that I would give is to be more introspective and to kind of think about what's important to you and how you want to make people feel to start developing an actual brand for yourself. Of course, your brand has to have a heart and soul. So it begins with you. But in our industry, I encourage people and in my classes, this is something we talk a lot about is who are you? Like bring that to the world. That's what makes you unique. That's what makes some of the most successful companies unique is that I have this style and it's recognizable and it resonates with people. But it doesn't just start with um, I'm going to copy someone else or do what I see is working for other people. So be more introspective and showcase what's important to you. And I think it will resonate through your page. And then of course we could go into aesthetics and imagery and all of that stuff, but it has to start Mm with, why are you doing what you're doing? What does it mean to you? How do you want to make other people feel? And ultimately I say this in classes again, and it's just kind of silly because it sounds so dramatic, but what kind of legacy do you want to leave? When you figure out what that is, I think building your brand and, even picking things like colors and copy, how you're going to write, how you want your words to sound, things like that become easier.
0: So, when you first started out, your brand name or your company name was you. Uh, Can you say it? You, you taught me. How, no, you taught me how to say it in Mexico, and I forgot. It's like, it,
1: what is it? It was the Lash Atelier. Okay. The, See, people I, say it different. I say Atelier. Texans here say Atelier.
0: (laughs) Yeah. At first I thought it was Atelier and then I thought it was Atelier. I don't know. So I love um, that name, but no one could say it. (laughs) Yes. So tell me where that name came from and then why did you change to Maven? Yeah. So again, my background is more or less fashion,
1: design, marketing, sales, brand strategy. And Atelier, so, of course, oh, also, I was raised by an artist and an engineer. My mom is an artist. My dad's an engineer. So just, this, just a way of thinking when I was younger was be anyone you want to be. Do anything you want to do. There is no limit. And really to not be concerned with what other people think about you. Like, to be weird yeah. is completely okay. And so growing up and moving into my professional career, I always had this mentality of, like, I'm an artist. I am kind of weird and I am quirky. And it was something that I just, it means a lot to me to be able to say I'm an artist in multiple capacities, right? With lash extensions, as an educator, there's some artistic elements that go into teaching and creating curriculum. But an atelier is actually like a workspace, an artist workspace, which had originated in like the fashion industry, so like a fashion house or workspace where they're creating clothing and that sort of thing. So I was like, well, the lash atelier, it makes sense.
0: And then that lasted for a couple of years um, that way. And then you rebranded, um, you changed your name. What was um, the reason for that?
1: The reason was no one could pronounce it. <laughs> no one really? could. Really? That's the only reason? Well, yeah, no one could really pronounce it. And I wanted to remove lashes or the word lash from my business name. Because as my business started to evolve and I started to realize, okay, I do love lashes, but I'm also good at a lot of other things that are still passions of mine. I wanted to make sure I wasn't kind of pigeonholing myself into only the lash industry. And that's another tip I would share when you're building a brand is to think long and hard about the name that you're going to use. Because what if you do grow outside of lashes? Then you have to completely change your business name. But Maven is... Now that word, because some people don't know what it means either, is like an expert or connoisseur in their field. And not that mm-hmm. I have this like big head. I don't, you know, think I'm the best. I actually like to try to have more of like a student mentality of I always have something to learn. But the way that my brain works and the way that I like to teach and share people is from like we can all be an expert and to have that kind of Maven mentality just means that you're confident enough to bring forth these ideas that you have into the world and to share them with other people without fear of judgment and, you know, disappointment or that sort of thing. So, and I just really like that word. It's a great word. Also going back to the fashion industry, a lot of times you would hear like a fashion maven or just someone that is like really knowledgeable in that industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So. When you were first starting out or even now, do you have any mentors or people who inspire you? So without getting super
1: emotional, because people that know me know how much I'm like obsessed and love my mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She, if you ever have the opportunity to meet her, which someday you will, Mm. she's just an incredible person. A lot of people in the lash industry have met her and know about her. Um, she's always just been like my number one fan and my inspiration just for life and thinking freely and being a weirdo. But in the last industry, my first person that inspired me was Irina Lavchuk from Russia. A lot of people don't know that I only have three months of classic experience. And then I went right into volume and she was my first trainer. And there was just something about her work at the time when I was seeing it that was obviously different than what other people were producing. And so I looked to her for inspiration of like where I wanted to go and what I wanted my work to look like. And then of course, Tiana from The Lash Exchange who is just like the most fun, positive person. And on a friend level, she always keeps me inspired, brings me up when I'm feeling bad and, you know, kind of helps me center and like realign my mindset because this industry is hard and there's times where I'm not perfect and I don't always think positively or something gets me down. And she's really been the person that has just always been there for me. And then Lynn from EBL, who is just a saint and a mom of three. And I always look to her and I'm like, how do you do it all? And she's just so kind and gracious. So, And she's been around forever. And those, those people are just the ones that inspire me the most.
0: I feel like now um, you are somebody that gets named a lot when people, even on Instagram, they're like tag your favorite lash artist or someone who inspires you. Or even on the show, like, um, I feel like a lot of people will say your name. Um, like you're like a favorite class that someone has taken from and and stuff like that. Why do you feel like people look up to you? I don't
1: know. I think it's because maybe I just do what I want and that's different. And maybe people see that it's different and they feel like, okay, if it's working for her and she seems happy, then I can do and be whoever I want to be. Maybe that's it. Like just being inspiring to say, I don't want to fit into a mold. I want to pretend that there is no box and Mm -hmm. kind of just create freely and do what I want. And in turn, obviously make people feel good. To be kind is super important. There are moments where I think we've all experienced where we feel awful and someone's hurt us and we could be super cool and, you know, do something to get back at them and make them feel terrible too. But I try not to let that happen. So I, I don't know. I hope people just, I don't know. I hope it's because I make people feel good and I'm supportive and kind, but maybe it's because I'm crazy and quirky and they like that. I don't know. Instability is always intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what can somebody expect from taking a class from you? Like what do you think are the biggest takeaways that people um get from your classes? Mm, okay, I have thought about this a lot.
1: My classes aren't easy. they're not simple and they're not basic. That being said, they're not for everyone. It's not a class you're just gonna like coast through and in terms of like branding and kind of manifesting this uh, following and attracting like your ideal customer or your ideal client. I think I've done that with my students as well. So my classes are, are more, they're not basic. And it's not a class that you're going to like sit through, just coast through casually listening. I would hope I, you know, we would have to interview some of my students and find out exactly why, but I feel like mm-hmm. I'm very engaging and there's a lot of information to get through. So they're really detailed because I have two days with students I always tell them my goal is to download my brain into yours, which let me tell you is like a wild ride because there's a lot of information up here and it's not really just, it's, it's, it's just different. I've taken a lot of classes myself. All of them, I've taken, you know, great things away from them. How my class is different is that I just think I have a different way of thinking and we do dive in deep and maybe we go too far sometimes. Like I, I notice occasionally students will be overwhelmed because of the amount of detail that I share. And I realize that's not for everyone. But in general, when I'm trying to attract like, my ideal customers and clients and even friends and that sort of thing, it's like, um, I want people who are lash nerds, who want to know yeah. everything and who almost want to take it too far so that they have a stronger understanding of their art. Like we actually measure faces and that's not something I was ever taught. Um, it's actually a program, face studies, Includes some basic information, obviously, that's floating around in the lash world. It's not a secret. But then, the, what I consider proprietary to Maven is um, these formulas that my mom and I kind of work together to create just to give people a stronger understanding of the actual face. Because in a lot of classes, no one talks about the face, it's all focused on the eyes. When I think we need to look at the whole picture. So my classes are different just in that. There's a lot of information and you really have to be ready for it and wanting to take away from class, I guess.
0: Right. And we have time, and
1: we drink Prosecco and people get yeah. confetti in their certificates. So there you go.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, speaking of the face studies, the things that you've been doing on Instagram where you take the celebrities and you put two different types of styles or designs on, um, their eye. I freaking love that. It's so cute. (laughs) It was a really good idea. And, um, I think that really lets people know like, Hey, the same style does not look the same on everybody. And I think it draws people also to take your class just because they know, dang, like this girl does have something to teach me. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I really like that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's really fun to create those. And the reason I started creating them is just because of some of the feedback I was getting in in my classes before I really um, started to develop that program was that people didn't quite understand what they were looking at. Uh, Trainers had said, you know, you just, just look at someone's face and you'll know what to do. What kind of instruction is that? Yeah, just look at someone's face and instantly you're going to be like, yep, CC curl transitioning into D curl on the outer corner because she has a downward facing eye. No, like it was something I wanted to make sure. Like I said, it's a lot. We walk through every single aspect of the face and the eyes to get this full assessment, which number one, it takes time to do that. So then we have to have the conversation of how much do we charge, right? Which is a whole nother topic. Mm -hmm. But making sure that students have that full understanding or a basis to start the development of their styling. And now some clients are super easy to style for. You know, there's not a lot of corrective, there's not a lot of corrective, um, like illusion creation that's needed. So you can just go to work and they'll look fine. But in some instances, they're super asymmetrical, which just means like the left side of their face looks nothing like the right side of their face. And so to start giving people the tools to really see that and understand, okay, in this situation, here's what I can do in that situation. Here's what I can do Mm -hmm. versus just like kind of winging it. And then obviously a lot of instances I've been there myself before I really understood what I was doing. You're like, okay, this is, I think this would look great on you for whatever reason you put the lashes on, they open their eyes and you're like, Oh no, that's, that's not what I wanted. So yeah, it's, yeah, it takes work, though. But it's a really cool program, and I absolutely love teaching it. And the feedback has been awesome.
0: Mm-hmm, I bet. Um, so I want to ask, what has been your favorite memory so far in, a, in your last career?
1: Oh, my gosh. I have way too many. I have way too <laughs> many. But I, for me, it's been traveling, specifically, like, international, Um it's like a really funny story. So Hillary brand was my second trainer and she is amazing. She's She's been traveling the world for years, teaching and doing Mm -hmm. lash related stuff. And one time she made a comment to me about, you know, someday you'll be traveling. Like someday you'll have the opportunity to travel international. And I was like, absolutely not. I am not into that. Like if you knew me like four years ago, I was, very different just in my mindset, but I was like paranoid. I'm like, I can't go to another country. I don't speak the language. No one's going to want me there. Like just really pessimistic. And then just the fear of traveling on a plane for that long. But Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to go to London was my first international class. And it took a lot for me to like muster up the courage to go, which sounds silly probably to people that have wanderlust, but at the time I didn't. And it was like one of the most freeing best decisions I've made. And since that trip, I just I have the desire to go anywhere and everywhere that I can. And that's probably the best experience okay. that I have. My favorite country is Denmark. So if I had to pick one, it would be my trip to Denmark.
0: Nice. Um, when would you say is the last time that you cried tears of joy?
1: Oh god. Speaking of traveling no fail. Every time I'm on a plane going somewhere, there's tears of joy because really? I, every time like hand to God, that's the truth. And I'll sit there, you know, and I'm surrounded by strangers and I'm like trying to, I always pick a window seat. Hopefully I'm never mm-hmm. stuck out of the plane. God forbid, but I love, a, I love a good window seat. And I'll just like turn my head towards the window and be like, get it together, get it together. But I don't know. I, I was very super humble beginnings. I never saw this life for myself, like lashing. I I never, I still sit and I'm like, is this my job? Is this what I do? But every time that I fly, just little tears. I'm not like a sobbing baby, but I'm always Mm -hmm. like thanking God for the opportunity to do what I do. And especially to meet the people that I get to meet. it's, it's, It's a really cool life. I'm incredibly thankful. There's not a day that goes by that I don't think like, you know, how cool it is and how special it is that I get to do this every day.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is awesome, and I don't know, I think that you also help, have helped so many people too, so. That
1: is what life is all about. That's really, yeah. you know, aside from, like, the traveling and the teaching, it's like, it, it's not really about me at the end of the day, sure, I'm like, this is awesome, I'm lucky, I feel spoiled, but if I was, like, doing it alone and there was no one else to share it with, it wouldn't be as cool, and it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't feel special, so just being able to hear people's stories and like share my experiences and for them to take them and kind of, you know, use whatever tools I'm giving them to make a change in their life for the better. That's just what life is all about. So it's Mm -hmm. awesome. I'm very thankful.
0: So on the opposite end, what would you say is a perceived failure that you've had that ended up working out in the end?
1: Oh my goodness. I'm ready for this one. Um, (laughs) I don't look at my life in terms of like, this is a failure or that is a failure or whatever. I try not to do that. Of course, sometimes it feels that way, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to make this short because it can be a long story. So (laughs) before when I was working for the company, um, doing like brand strategy and sales, I was kind of out of it. Like I was just like, okay, this has been 12 years of my life. I want to do something new. I hadn't really gotten into lashes at that point. Like let's say like eight years in to this other job. So I started handmaking lapel flowers, um, like boutonnieres, and they were made out of mm-hmm. fabric, and I was designing the textiles and that sort of thing, and it was like a passion of mine. I absolutely love doing it. I still have an Instagram page up um, of that business, and it, it meant so much to me, but it kind of spawned from this job working for the fashion company where I was making the lapel flowers, and I was killing mm-hmm. it. I was selling on Etsy. People were loving it. I had bloggers, which that was a whole new experience for me, too. Like people reaching out to me on Instagram saying, you know, I love your work. Can you send it to me? Whatever. It's been published in like men's magazines and stuff like that. Um, oh my gosh. A lot of people don't know that. I don't know. I do like to brag about that because I was really proud. Yeah. But the popularity of whatever, the designs that I was creating ended up in China and a Chinese company knocked off all of the designs, every single lapel flower style that I had made, they had knocked off. And they actually, of course, through Instagram, they know who my accounts are. They know who the people I'm doing business with, who they are. So they reached out and they tried to undercut me and sell their obviously inferior product to my clients, which my clients were a high caliber of like quality, like top men stores around the U.S. They don't really, mm-hmm. they they don't really do business with China a whole lot. They prefer like U.S. Mm-hmm. manufacturers. So thankfully, um, I think only one of them did buy some flowers, but of course they came back to me. Um, but that, it kind of started to suck the joy out of what I was doing. Every time I would create create a new design, someone would copy it. China would copy it. And what it taught me, because that's not really a failure, but at the same time, it was like, it taught me, okay, Obviously you can copyright, trademark, patent, that sort of thing. I wasn't in a position to do that financially at that time, but what it really taught me was that I loved doing that. So even though someone took it and you know tried to make a profit off of it, whatever, I loved the creation of it and it gave me a lot of joy to do that. So it just taught me to continue to create at all costs, which sounds again so dramatic, but it's true. And then just to be true to what's important to me. And at the time it was making these flowers that were impacting other people's lives in a great way. I was making them for weddings and funerals and big life events too. So that was um, something that gave me a lot of drive, but then also just to maintain like my, my, this multifacet of abilities that I have and to um, allow myself to pivot when whatever I was doing or creating was no longer serving me or the people I was creating it for, if that makes sense.
0: It does. So
1: I once Um, loved something, then joy was stripped away and I was just like, I'm going to let it go because I can do something else and it's going to feel better for me to do that. Ultimately, other people are going to feel better about it as well. So, yeah, it just taught me to be really flexible and and to evolve, have the freedom to evolve.
0: So... While we're on, um, the topic of copying, do you feel like in the lash industry, you recognize some of those same things going on?
1: Yeah, I think it happens in every industry. I've, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've been in multiple and it happens all the time that it, it happens everywhere. I mean, your best friend can emulate you and copy the way that you talk and you speak and you dress and all of that, it, it happens everywhere. It, it, just because it happens, it doesn't mean that it's right. And I do see it in our industry. And I think there's a lot of reasons why it happens. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but, and it's happened to not only me, but a lot of people that we both like know and love and, mm-hmm. um, I think one thing to take away, like when we all get upset about, oh my gosh, this person's copying from me, they're taking from me. They stole this idea is that none of us are truly original. Like we're all inspired by something or someone at some point, but it's, it's how we translate that inspiration that makes us unique. And some people are better at translating the information in a really respectful way, giving credit, um, you know, honoring their inspir- people that are inspiring them and that sort of thing. And then there's people that are not. And I think when someone doesn't give credit, or they they're they're basically like imitating and copying the idea to a T, it says more about that person than it does about the actual crime of like copying or stealing something.
0: Right. Um, why do you feel like some people don't like to give credit to um, ideas or people that have inspired them?
1: Um, I think it would be like you would have to psychoanalyze that
0: person. But for the most part, just in
1: my experience is it's someone who, I don't want to say they're like jealous of the success that other people are having, but they want that success, whether it's jealousy or not. They they want that for their lives and they're entitled to go out and get it. And I wish that they, they get it, whoever they are, whoever we're talking about, whoever might be experiencing this. I hope that someday they get to whatever station in life that they want. But I think Oftentimes that's like the driving factor of like stealing and copying. And we should really talk about the quote, great artists steal. Cause I think there needs to be some clarification on that because there are mm-hmm. people in our industry who have said firsthand to me, that's just the way the world works and uh, everybody steals. And then of course there's this quote that's been around forever that says great artists steal, but I think people are lazy. I think they lack passion and inspiration maybe they have some insecurities of course they're looking um at someone ending or middle of their career when they're just beginning so they're hungry and they should be but they're they're going about it in the wrong way i feel like
0: yeah
1: but and then of course they see whatever that person is doing working for that person so they try to imitate it and get the same results which often doesn't happen so yeah
0: i mean i've seen i've seen that a lot um very recently also it and it's happened to me and it's happened to a lot of like you said people that we know and stuff so it does suck when it happens and it's almost like when it happens to a friend of yours it's easier to say like hey look at it this way or or something but when it happens to you it i don't know it it's different like you can't i, I personally have a hard time rationalizing it like if somebody takes something that i thought that I created or, um, you know, but when it happens to a friend of yours, I feel like it's easier to talk them through it and everything. But, um, when it's your own stuff and your own ideas, you take it a lot more personally, I feel.
1: Of course. And I think there's just misconceptions about, you know, and people start to justify their actions, like someone that's not going to take responsibility for blatantly copying and stealing. We all are inspired. You know, I can't say, oh, face studies. I was uninspired by anyone. It's 100% completely original. It's original to me in the sense that it was a transformative evolution of a thought, which just means that I was inspired, obviously by the world that's around us and um, even like brow measuring systems and that sort of thing. But it's very different than that. And people that haven't taken the course, they don't quite understand that. So what happens mm-hmm. is um, not just face studies, uh, luckily, faith studies, I don't believe, has been like copied or knocked off yet. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always encouraging people to grow. And if there's an idea that you love, change it and make it better. That's that's what art is. You take something and you make it better. And that's going back to the quote, great art of But I feel like the guilty parties who, who might be intentionally taking things, what they tend to do is to minimize the inspiring ideas. So they tend to like minimize the importance of that idea or try to dismiss it and say, Oh, so-and-so was doing something similar, or they're trying to just completely replicate it without giving credit. And again, it just Mm -hmm. says more about the person than the crime. And we don't have control over that. We have no control over someone taking and stealing our ideas or whatever we feel are, our unique ideas. But of course, just like any situation, how we react to it is where we have to control.
0: True. So, I would say like when someone's venting about, oh, so-and-so kind of copied me or or whatever it is, a lot of people will say, oh, but you should be flattered. Imitation is a form of flattery. What do you think about that?
1: I'm going to swear
0: and I like to throw a swear
1: out every now and then (laughs) and then I'll explain why. I think imitation is the sincerest form of fuck you. And there's just another way to approach it. Imitation to me is like laziness. It's the fact that you want to refuse to acknowledge or accept who your influences are and that inspiration is completely a better route. And it's it's a more true form of art because in inspiration, you can Mm -hmm. recognize people that influence you. And through that, you're turning that idea that was your inspiration into something new. Mm -hmm. I think what the most sincere form of flattery would be is supporting and investing into someone that inspires you. So you know, sharing that they're your inspiration and um, creating something new based on that inspiration, and, and creating and like driving that idea into a new evolution. Essentially, it's not so freaking dramatic, but this is just the reality of art and ideas. And then also, like if you wanna, if you want to flatter someone, then collaborate with them. You know, like that's a really great way to evolve the art. That a lot of people, yeah. they just, they use that. Imitation is a sincerest form of flattery to justify the fact that people aren't transforming ideas. They're just mm-hmm. copying them, replicating them, that sort of thing.
0: And it doesn't feel flattering, really, when it happens. Like, I'm like, hey, I don't feel flattered. Like, I'm yeah. not flattered. This person, like, didn't say anything to me or Flatter me in any ways or anything, they, but you can tell when somebody is doing something, especially so soon after someone else. I don't know, I see it all the time on Instagram, especially. I feel like I keep talking about social media, but that is kind of how we're all connected. That's
1: where we live. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, and I don't know, but I will say there are so many people that do give credit to their inspirations. Um, for example, I remember when some people came for you when you, I don't remember what it was, but it was people saying that your design, maybe it was, I don't think it was your logo, but it was something, it looked like, um, space bar designs and you actually went on your story and you said, actually, this was my inspiration and also this and also this and also this. And, um,
1: I think I've done a really good job showcasing or showing the industry what's important to me. And truly that's all that matters to me is that they know what's important to me and they know my values. I don't even know, you know, I'm not trying out to impress anyone. Obviously I don't want anyone to be disappointed taking my courses and that sort of thing, but I really have nothing to prove to anyone. I'm going to be myself. And I, I think I've done a really good job letting people know how important giving credit to others is to me. So for someone, and it wasn't just one, it was many people and I was ready for it. It's fine. Um, Coming after me saying that I stole someone's original idea. I want to say that if I was inspired by that person, they would have been given credit. And the people that knew me, that know me were there standing up for me, which is amazing. I never asked for it. Um, I feel like I can fight my own battles, but my God, I'm so thankful for my tribe, I guess we could say. Mm -hmm. And that it's. It's it's like a non negotiable for me to give credit to others, almost to the point where it's too much. Like my husband's like, "Are you going to give credit for everything?" It's just like, and someone so taught me this, and someone so taught me that. It's like it makes me really happy to do that. But yeah, yeah when someone came after me because they felt it was similar, um, I did credit my sources in that moment. You know, it was a design that I created using other um, icons and that sort of thing that were paid for there's a there's a website called creative market and you can purchase like little icons and fonts and that sort of thing to be used in other designs which is you know by paying for them you have the right to utilize them for yourself as long as you're not making a profit off of them etc so everything I was doing fell under you know, copyright laws and that sort of thing. And I felt the need to just show where my true inspiration came from. If that person that was accusing me was part of that, they would have been included. Um, I do believe in like parallel thoughts as well. The fact that there's a lot of ideas yes. floating around out there in the universe yes. mm-hmm. and they're just waiting for a host. They're just waiting for someone to to capture them and to turn them into their own. And sometimes that ends up being the same thing for both people Um, so that's not lost on me, but when it's blatantly obvious that it's a copy or, you know, there's just some disrespect happening as well. That's a completely different situation, but yeah.
0: What are your takeaways from being somebody who has been copied, um, or what advice do you have for people who may be going through that now or who may in the future?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a different, a difficult thing to deal with doesn't feel good like you said it just doesn't feel good for that to happen to you but I think mindset is everything and we have a lot to learn from people who have like a strong mindset and a lot of control in their emotions is just to shift your mindset and when that happens to you you don't focus on it you surround yourself with people who love you and who get you and who respect you and you can just let go of those people or those businesses or those ideas that don't And then, of course, just to support other people, other innovators, collaborate with them, always give credit, to be respectful of people, and then to try to develop your own transformative ideas. So maybe you are taking something or, quote unquote, stealing it, but you're going to take it and make it your own. And then I think as artists, too, I'm like huge on this, is that whenever we can, we should support like handmade, handmade artists and originals and that sort of thing and then you know just knowing your source for creativity as well if you if you're confident in where that idea came from you know where uh the face study idea came from or where the space icons for me came from it sets you free i i don't have to worry about about that and so it's just you know to just continue to create and share as well a lot of people will just kind of shut down i've been in that situation where they just shut down They're like i'm not going to share anything anymore everything's going to be a secret. And as a creative person, that's like the absolute worst thing you can do for yourself because you'll never be happy doing that. And all of your ideas will like die. So giving Mm -hmm. to people sharing and, you know, sharing tips and tricks, creating really beautiful things, whatever it might be, whether it's like art or lashes or, you know, global design, whatever, it like allows space in your creative mind for new ideas. So there's so many things we can do. I think the main takeaway is just not to play into that horrible feeling that we, we get when it happens.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're creating a line now. Um, Maven Artistry has tweezers and you just launched some new designs with that. Where do you see that brand, uh, going and, um, what other products do you have on the way?
1: There's a lot to come. I've, um, I think it's kind of, Funny because there's a lot of like lash brands popping up here and there, and my students have been begging me, which is so weird to me. Forever, They're like, "When are you gonna have your own line? When are you gonna have your own line?" A lot of people yeah. don't know too that Maven Artistry is me. That's it. I don't have staff. I don't have an. I don't even have an assistant. Like that's my goal for this year and moving into next is to slowly build my team. I don't want a really big business. I don't want to be you know super commercial, I want that artistry to always maintain. Um, so designing a product line has always been on the back burner for me. And Lindy from EBL has made that really possible by always supporting me and has amazing products that I've used in my kits and I've loved and students love. And so it's kind of been my my little escape from having to develop a product line because it's not something that interested me in the beginning. But people mm-hmm. people started asking for it. Um, I've had a lot of support from students, you know, saying they they want it. Um, and having taught and traveled the last like more so like been really busy the year, last year, year and a half, it does take a toll on me. So product is something that I think I would I would like to get into, but it's not something I'm racing to get into because I want to do it right. I want to make sure that everything that I create I truly do love. So, it's tweezers right now. Um, I've been testing adhesives for what feels like years and uh, we're getting closer to finding something there that we like. And then of course the, the practice worksheets and that sort of thing. But when I like think big and of course dream big is that we would have all products, but I'm not quite sure if we'll, if we'll go into absolutely everything, but who knows? I don't know. I kind of just with the product line, I'm just kind of going with the flow. And when I find something that I really love. Maybe we'll bring it on and it'll be part of the, the collection, if you will.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we've talked about this um, privately, but you have a sort of mindset about brand ambassadorships and um, and such for brands. Can you share, I guess, your take on that whole thing as, you know, as it relates to your brand?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I obviously don't have a full product line right now, but it's interesting to me. I would get DMS every now and then of people saying, are you going to have brand ambassadors? Are you going to have brand ambassadors? And my answer is always no. And you know, I absolutely love, you know, Wendy and uh, Janelle from, uh, Lash Affair and they all have brand ambassadors and I I love them. I respect them. You know, it's not a, a cut on anyone that has brand ambassadors, but for me, it just doesn't work. Um, I want to encourage people going back to, you know, creating your own ideas and creating a new, a unique brand is I want to encourage people to, to be free. Freedom is kind of why we sign up for this job. We want to be free to do whatever, whenever, and when tools, you know, say you do become a brand ambassador, sometimes contracts, you have to sign a contract. And I kind of equate that to, and I hope I don't offend anyone here, but I also am like really honest and open, like speaking freely about this topic. Um, I think if I do offend someone, maybe I need to take a step back and think about why you're feeling that way. But
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, I don't want to obviously offend somebody, but I feel that when you're signed into a contract, I equate it to Ursula from Ariel, Little Mermaid. Basically, your voice is taken away from you. And again, this is just my feeling, my opinion, that I don't want to be restricted to only talking about one brand. So if I can support multiple brands and kind of share my experiences with products, if I can you know change from one brand to another when that certain brand is working for me, or whatever the case might be, I want the freedom to do that. So I do understand why people like the idea, like the idea of becoming a brand ambassador but I just think long-term it's you are the artist and you're running a business. You're running an independent business separate from this company that you're aligning yourself with. So what if there comes a time where your business needs something that this company can't provide for you and you're in a contract? I just think overall our industry is gonna grow, um, not necessarily faster, but I just think it's gonna be stronger when we are all free to have that voice and talk about what's working and try everything. I get messages from brand ambassadors quite frequently asking about my tweezers or asking about other products. So what do I think about this? And what do I think about that? And I kind of pause when I get those messages and I think, why are you a brand ambassador? You know, why, obviously, like, why are you still in that? Because something is obviously not working for you, right? And then I have students that say to me, I feel like a prisoner. I feel like I can't truly share what I like and what I love. And it bothers me that people are in that position because like I said, they are running their own business. Like their livelihood depends on their, you know, state of mind, their happiness, the products that they're using, how the clients are reacting to the products, that sort of thing. So I do um, understand like the uh, kind of uh, my brain, Um, how people want to feel part of something too. Mm-hmm. that they want to feel like they have this lash family and I absolutely get that. But at the same time, I feel like everyone in the industry who aligns with you should be your lash family. You shouldn't have to sign a piece of paper to get that. And so yes. I'm like super like over the top, like passionate about this topic just because it's like, if something isn't working for you, if something's not serving you, not from a selfish standpoint, right. But if it doesn't work for you and it's emotionally not benefiting you or it emotionally just doesn't feel right, you shouldn't have to stay, you know, if you have, you're like example, like you're in a really bad relationship. Why stay in that relationship. If it's, you know, toxic to you, you have to cut it off. Unfortunately when people get into some uh, brand ambassadorship contracts, they don't have that choice because of the paper that they signed. So to each their own though, I'm not, if you're a brand ambassador, I still love you.
0: um so also with trainers do you also feel like you're going to just remain the only trainer for maven artistry or do you feel like you're ever going to have other artists training under maven
1: i have a really unique plan for growing my business in terms of training that i hope to have ready to release uh within the next like oh gosh i don't even want to put a time frame on it because i'm like the queen of saying it's gonna be ready here and then it 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 isn't but I have a really unique um, kind of plan for trainers for my business. And I think the answer is yes. Um, but how it's going to be set up is very different than most. Simply because I can't, I can't do it all. I can't be everywhere you know, that people want me to be. But I'm just a really selective person. And again, you kind of know this about me too. I don't just like jump in. I'm not like, oh, you want to be a trainer for me? Come on, let's do this. I want to make sure, again, it's someone that I can align myself with. It has similar beliefs to me. It also has, a, either has or is capable of learning, like my teaching style, because it's kind of different. It's intense and yeah. it's a lot. So I just I have to find the right the right people, and I do have I do have them, and you all know who they are, and they are incredible. So it's just a matter of time. I don't I'm I I never rush anything. I'm like slow as fuck. I'm like the little turtle. on the track, just <laughs> moseying around when it's right it'll
0: happen and if it doesn't then that's okay too so when do you feel like you get most motivated or inspired to tackle projects or tackle ideas that you've had
1: I'm I'm my best when I'm surrounded by people that I love and that love me Um, when it comes to lashes it's just people in the industry like what I consider like my lash family I guess Um, being able to just myself because there's a lot of moments where, you know, I don't, I, I really, it's not my goal to offend someone, but I'm really opinionated. And when I can share those opinions without judgment, it allows me to kind of explore some of those ideas I have, or just express a feeling that, you know, maybe makes me uneasy in the industry that, that I would like to see change. It's just when I spend time with people that get me and are encouraging and that I can encourage as well, that's when I'm most inspired. So I try to find time to, to travel with friends or to spend time with my, you know, husband and my family and, and just people that honestly will like, let me talk their ear off. And mm-hmm. then hopefully I'm listening to them as well. But um, yeah, I don't know if there's like, Oh, on Tuesdays, I'm most productive. <laughs> if, it, if it's like a day to day, weekly thing girl, let's after I have like a cup of coffee, Coffee just does something to me. I feel like my heart racing. I'm like, I could conquer the world and I don't drink it very often, but if I have like a task that I have to accomplish and I'm not feeling it, if I just drink some coffee, which is so stupid. I'm sure everyone could say that's the same thing, but I don't know. I just feel like more alive. My adrenals are depleted and I'm tired most of the time. So whatever I need to do to just like wake myself up at that point is when I'm like, okay, I can do this or start a new project or something like that. But my people they're so important to me.
0: Do you have any routines or rituals that you do like in the morning or evening to get your day started or to wind down from your day?
1: I really don't. I've heard other people answer this on your podcast and some of them are, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, I do this and I do that. I don't. I kind of live my life in what I call like organized chaos. I don't do well if it's, you know, maybe I would do better. I don't know if I had like more structure in my life, but my schedule just kind of random and crazy all the time. There's no consistency. Sometimes I'm teaching. Sometimes I'm working on different projects. Sometimes I'm, you know, out of country or out of state. So I don't know. I just, I I tend not to have like a lot of structure to my day so that I can, you know, maybe kind of bend and flow with wherever I need to go. But one thing I do try to do is when I'm home, I try to be home from the office at like a reasonable time to spend time with my husband, which maintaining relationships, outside of the industry when you're like still so part in the industry has been really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know friends and family and spouse that aren't in the industry, it's been really difficult. but um, it's a it's a good challenge, right? We're learning as we're growing in this life, whatever. But I just tried to make sure that I'm home to spend time with my husband, which is is challenging because the man works from like six am to two fifteen. So to like expect my my day to stop at three o'clock or something is crazy, but I do my best to try to be home and spend time with my family whenever I can. I can't say I'm great at it, but that's always something like in the back of my mind that's at the top of my priority list.
0: Mm -hmm. Has your husband always been like super supportive of your um, goals with the lash industry? Like, was he super on board when you first got into the industry or how did he feel about that?
1: My husband's been, he's done the best that he can possibly do. Let's put it that way. He is very supportive. I think there's always that element of fear in any relationship when someone says, I'm going to make a big change. And mm-hmm. by I thinking back to that, when that moment happened, because he knows me and kind of a tenacity and that I, I just, I do work hard. I'm not lazy. I think he had confidence, but also he didn't quite understand like what I was doing. And I really didn't yeah. either. I was like, okay, like sure, but um. So when I was working at that company before, I reduced my days from five to four, and I was going to school to kind of finish up some things that I wanted to do. And I don't think my husband and I were married at that point, but the man like carried our bills. I think I paid part of rent or something, but he carried the rest of the bills for me. So absolutely, he was been supportive in making sure that that stuff can happen for me. But, you know, it's challenging for for spouses and friends and stuff because they want time too. So, of course, they deserve Mm -hmm. their selfish moments as well. But, no, he he wants nothing more than to see me succeed and be happy. And I just wish I could take him along for the ride. And we're working on that because the man deserves to travel and experience the world as well. He can't be daddy daycare sitting at home with the dogs every time (laughs) I'm out. Yeah. Has he ever gone with you? You know, it's hard because he works for the city. And so he works Monday through Friday, which you know, your your typical American schedule where you get two weeks off a year. And with our family is spread all over the U.S. So well, vacation days get used up to visit family versus going on, like, like you know, really fun vacations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where it is, about, it is about to be a really big shift in our lives for the best for myself and for him and this new opportunity coming our way so I wouldn't trade him for the world you know he's he's super special to me but it's it's not been easy I like, that's just the honest truth it's not been easy but he does the best that he can and I, I couldn't ask for anything more from him so we can ask for a lot it's hard what we do being entrepreneurs being married to someone who who I don't want to say he's not an entrepreneur but right now in this moment you know he's working um the civilian knife, can we call it that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's just
1: working here nine to five working for the man. And so when you're in that, it's, it's a little bit harder to quite understand what we're doing on the flip side because he never stops. Mm-hmm. It never stops for us. You don't just, you know, out or leave our job at five o'clock and it ends there. So he, he's, he's really understanding and it's so sweet. Oh my gosh. I get flowers all the time. to brag, but to fully brag. I'll show up and I'll have flowers on, make like, the dining room table and they're sticking out there and he's, like, just because it's Wednesday. And I'm like, oh, my God. What? I love you. Or rose petals all in my garage one day with notes on the door. I was like, oh, shoot. Mama's going to have to do something extra special tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Aw. Yeah, he's That's great. That's good. Um, what do you feel like you would be doing if you weren't in the lash industry at all or the beauty industry?
1: I think about this often, I don't know, before I really got into like this passion for growing my business, I wanted to be a mom, which is crazy if you know me now, because I don't want children mm-hmm. now, but mm-hmm. I would picture this almost, of course, like hitting a love, you know, like this perfect life of like being a mom and having play dates with your kids and being with your friends and for whatever reason, I, I think it's because I grew up doing art projects with my mom. I was pretty wait to like, do art with my kids, so I don't really even think... To answer that question, there's no job that I think of doing. It's just a completely different type of life that I think Mm -hmm. maybe I would have had had I not been a business owner.
0: So I just have a couple more questions. Do you listen to any audiobooks or podcasts or read at all? Um, Do you have anything that you want to share with the listeners that you feel like has inspired you?
1: Absolutely. I don't do a lot of reading and I, I prefer audiobooks more. I wish I had more time because I do enjoy like learning and reading articles and that sort of thing. But a book that I recently listened to on audiobook was make magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote eat, pray, love. And it, it's, I think for anyone in the, the beauty industry, creative entrepreneur, whatever, it's like a book that will hopefully like change your mindset and make you more, like, free to to just be yourself. I think the synopsis of the book is, like, live beyond fear. And that we're creating to survive. Because it's what drives us as creative people. And that you should share your gifts with the world instead of, like, holding them in. So it kind of goes back to what we talked about before. You, it's an awesome mm-hmm. book. If you have a listened to it, I think you'd really like it.
0: Yeah, I'm going to check it out. Um, what would you say are some of your greatest strengths that you feel have helped you, especially in this industry or just to help you get to where you are today?
1: Oh man. Um, I think like not trying to fit in to a box, Mm -hmm. just trying to be true to myself is a strength. I think it's a strength for anyone if you can really focus on that. But I I think just being kind and, Uh, investing in yourself, investing in myself, taking trainings, and then allowing myself time, you know, time to learn, time to practice. I think that's a strength because a lot of people, they don't give themselves that time. It's always like a race, which I feel that too, but taking a step back and like slowing down to be more introspective and like giving yourself time. I do that a lot, maybe too much sometimes, which is maybe why I'm like crying on airplanes and stuff like that. But yeah, I think, I don't know. I guess that's maybe a strength just trying to be yeah. like in tune with myself. And if yes. I get emotional at some point, good or bad, it's like, why, taking a step back to be like, why am I feeling this way?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I like just a lot of power in just self-awareness.
0: I agree. I agree with that. Do you have a motto or any words that you live by day to day?
1: It changes every day. So one of my favorite quotes is that every artist was once an amateur. And I think it's just a statement that we all start somewhere because it's so easy to like get on Instagram or wherever you might be out in the world and see someone doing something that's so great or epic and you, you want that, but you realize like, when you realize that you have to start somewhere is is the key. I don't like to idolize people. I try not to do that. I don't want anyone idolizing me either just because we're all human. And sometimes we forget that when we're like looking on social media and like, Oh my God, you're God, you're queen, whatever, to whomever it might be is like, We all started at the bottom with eyelash extensions in our businesses. So it's just a really good reminder to keep close because it's easy to kind of get distracted and feel horrible about ourselves. Mm
0: -hmm. What is a purchase that you've made under $100 that has positively impacted your life?
1: I'm hoping that this is going to be the strangest answer that you ever get,
0: but it is
1: (laughs) a life changer. So it's a yoga block but I take it with me when I travel because the seats are obviously like so uncomfortable if you're in like economy or whatever. And I'm what, like five, four. And I feel like my legs go dead every time I travel just because my legs are short. They like, don't touch the ground. I prefer to be like kind of curled up a little bit. So I usually I pack it at the bottom of my backpack and I use it as like a, a foot riser. And it's been incredible. Like it just puts my back in a better position so I don't know what that costs, like under $10. And I can't travel without it. I, it's happened to me where I didn't have it and I almost ended up in tears on the plane. So if you travel a lot, oh try putting a yoga block under your seat. It's amazing.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 19, but if you'd like to keep up with Trina, you can do so on Instagram at Maven Artistry. Let us know your thoughts on this episode. Tag Maven Artistry and Lash Boss Radio, and we will share our favorites with you guys on our stories. Make sure that you're subscribed to Lash Boss Radio so you can hear all of the episodes as they air. And keep a lookout for episode 20 because I'm going to be sharing some exciting news. So stay tuned and I will talk to you soon.